Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. This is our second edition of the Major League Baseball Preview. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. And I'm your co-host, Lucas Jones. So we got started yesterday and on the National League East. Today we're going to do the National League Central, a division that Lucas and I both hold dearly to our hearts as Cardinal and Cubs fans. So I'm sure Lucas doesn't want to get either of us confused. Lucas is the Cubs fan in the room. But uh, no, we are actually recording all of this on uh, the Thursday, so... You know, some of our stuff throughout this, if any major injury happens, I'll get in and add something on later. But for the most part, we're going off of uh, spring training stuff and what happened last year and what we expect to happen this year. So without any further ado, you're going to get started on the old Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers, uh... they lost Chris Carter in the offseason. They did lose Chris Carter. Um, He hit like 40 home runs last year. Um, couldn't hardly find a job. He signed a low contract with the Yankees, kind of a low-risk deal for the Yankees to kind of pair him with Greg Bird at first base. Um, I did see the other day, though, Chris Carter struggling mightily in spring training, and Chris uh, Greg Bird is tearing it up. So uh, remains to be seen. People really thought the Brewers were going to trade Chris Carter last year for uh, you know some prospects or something. Uh, that didn't work out. They ended up just outriding him off of the uh, – roster and they ended up signing Eric Thames uh, to play first base for him. He played the last couple of years in the Korean baseball organization. Um, I think the, the KBO. I, I didn't, K- I couldn't remember I if he the KBO in Korea or Yeah, Japan. I think it was Korea and he was like, you know, one of their top players over there. So uh, they signed him to a contract. I think they're looking to trade him if he picks back up in the majors and does good. So, last year, the Milwaukee Brewers organization sent a letter to fans saying that they were in rebuilding mode. I think that we all kind of expect that to extend into this year. So, probably the question that a lot of Brewers fans and a lot of fans around baseball want to know, you think Ryan Braun's going to get traded? I'm not sure. Uh, I think he should get traded. Um, Last year, they were talking with the Dodgers about a week for Braun swap. Um, I actually love that trade. I'm not sure what held it up. If it was uh, the Brewers wanting more than Puig back, uh, I'm sure that that was it. But the Dodgers were capable of taking the rest of Braun's contract, which is not unreasonable. But for the Brewers, for a team to take the rest of his contract, that would mean a lot for a lower payroll type, smaller market team. Um a smaller market team that's actually in a smaller market. Yeah, that yeah. Unlike yeah, the last podcast, uh, I didn't mean Miami was small. Just they act like they are. Um, the Brewers actually are a small market team. Uh, but I actually like the Puig for Braun trade. Braun's like 31, 32 years old. Uh, you know, he still has he still has good baseball left in him. He really is a good player. Puig a little bit younger. He's got all the tools. He just hasn't quite put it together. Um, I think he's having a decent spring for the Dodgers. Uh, I still think that's a good trade if the Dodgers want to revisit it. I think the Brewers should just take Puig and you know he's your you know he's your three four five hole guy that they build around with some of their younger players. He's a classic change of scenery guy. Uh, Ryan Braun. He's kind of come past. It's been a couple years now since all of his HGH steroid controversy where he almost cost Aaron Rodgers all that money <laughs> yeah so you know the, the he's the Brewers big trade chip right now um and they could do a lot with it but the Brewers have some smart guys running the team they're rebuilding and their team's not that bad right now um several there's several um things that I've read online from executives and some scouts that say hey when Vegas comes out with their final line on the season you know depending what it is you might take the over on their wins. Hey, and we do we do love some gambling picks on here. So Brewers over on the wins this year. So Lucas, let's uh, let's look. What do you got for us on the Brewers lineup? What's it looking like this year? Well, they're going to have Jonathan Villar at the top of the lineup. Last year, uh, he was a very solid player. Uh, you know, 40, 50 stolen bases you can expect out of him this year. Uh, batting second, one of their top prospect guys, Orlando Arcia, should be starting there at the beginning of the year if they want to get him some seasoning in the majors. 
Batting in the three hole, you got Ryan Braun, four Eric Thames, who came over from the KBO, five Kirk Neuenweiss. Um, I, he's not your prototypical five hole hitter, but I think you know their offense is not it's not quite there yet. Um, Keon Broxton is an interesting prospect for center field. Uh, he's apparently fully healed from his broken wrist. I was watching that game in Wrigley when he ran up into the Ivy. Um, he made the catch, but when he was running off the field, uh, sometimes I wish this was video because his hand was literally dangling off of his uh, forearm bone or whatever. It was kind of weird to look at. Like, yeah, kind of <laughs> one of those gross things. <laughs> uh, but he's apparently fully recovered from that. At third base, they got Travis Shaw, who came over in a trade from the Red Sox when they traded Tyler Thornburg uh, for the Red Sox. He'll be their eighth inning guy. Uh, so they got Travis Shaw, who was a... You know, he was one of the Red Sox, uh, he was in their top 10 prospects for a while. He hasn't quite lived up to it, but he's his third baseman. He's there to fill a spot. Um, he'll get plenty of playing time this year, and they're kind of hoping he turns out. Um, Catching-wise, I'm not real sure who going to be their catcher is. Um, I think at this point, it's kind of a, it's kind of a toss-up. It's still a job that can be won by someone else if they have a great next you know, a few days of spring training. There were rumors that they might they might sign Matt Wieters if he if his price came down enough. That signing obviously didn't make sense to me for a rebuilding team. Um, but they are a rebuilding team. They do have several prospects. Domingo Santana may end up playing in the outfield over Kirk Neuenweiss. Uh, Brett Phillips is an outfielder and Lewis Brinson. Um, Brinson came over in the Lucori trade with the Rangers, he was one of their remaining top prospects. That wasn't Pro Far or Gallo, um, so Brinson is thought very highly of. Uh, and RC is still young, and Villar's young, so they got a lot of young players that they're hoping turns out get some seasoning in the next couple years. Uh, you know, and they're pitching, getting onto their rotation. Devin, they got Junior Garrett at the top of the lineup, and I'm probably not pronouncing his last name right. But he had a great season last year, surprised many people. I read on Twitter yesterday he may be a trade prospect um, if he comes out being just as good as he was last year. But honestly, he's got some control um, by the team. So I don't know if they'd really trade him or not. They'd probably have to be blown away. <clears throat> and then there's the old steady Matt Garza. Where do you see him fitting into the rotation? Well, he's kind of in the rotation by default. They're kind of hoping he can come out and pitch at least league average and, and, you know, flip him in June, July to a team that is just needing an arm to eat some innings. Um, the Rangers come to mind. Uh, Garza. It's funny that you say that. Every time that I'm like, ah, man, the Cardinals need to trade a pitcher, the Royals need to dump somebody, I'm like, and as, as far as starting pitching, I'm like, you know who needs starting pitching? The Rangers. They do. The Rangers just, I don't think, have made – very great decisions with their pitching. They signed Andrew Kashner and he's hurt. Tyson Ross probably ain't going to be ready till June. They were hoping to get them two guys. They were friends together in San Diego. Uh, you know, they so. they've needed pitching since like Pudge and Juan Gonzalez were there in the late nineties. <laughs> right, and when you think of man, this team went to back to back World Series and they went to the World Series on the arms of like Derek Holland and. Uh, uh, the guy, he Kobe pitches Lewis. for the Angels, uh, lefty. C.J. Wilson. Yes, yeah, C.J. Wilson. Signed that huge deal, never lived up to it. I think that deal's finally over now. That was like That's a the angel four year deal for like $80 million or something. Uh, Kobe Lewis is still a free agent, and uh, so is Jake Peavy. So they're wondering if the Rangers apparently is not interested in bringing Lewis back. And he's got a history with the Rangers. So I don't know if there's some sort of internal turmoil there or not. But anyways... Matt Garza, I think, would be would be someone the range the Rangers should target from the Brewers. Um, the Brewers also have Zach Davies, uh, Willie Peralta, Neftali Feliz. I'm not sure if they're going to have him in the lineup or have him in the bullpen. Yeah, he was really good with Texas there for a while in the bullpen, and they kind of always talked about moving him to the rotation, and I. I never worked out in a sense that you know that he was going to be a good starter ever but he was great in the bullpen there when they made those world series runs so yeah so they got a lot of mobility in their pitching staff taylor jungman could be um in the bullpen they have jimmy nelson and tommy malone they both have a little starting 
experience under them, but you know, they don't have a set closer. They don't. This is just a team that is in the full rebuild mode, but they really like Craig Council as manager. They like the young prospects they have. They're just kind of biding their time, but they think they're going to come around and be good in a couple years. And some of these prospects they have are good, solid players. And I think Ryan Braun can bring back, you know, two major league, solid major league prospects that will probably play at MLB if he does get traded. Unless he gets traded for, you know, a controllable pitcher like, you know, Chris Archer. But I don't see that happening because the Rays don't want Braun's money and the Brewers can't afford to pay down Braun's money. So, I don't know. I still think Braun to the Dodgers makes the most sense. Yeah, and so that pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, wraps up the Milwaukee Brewers for me. You got anything to add before we get off of them? No, I just wouldn't sleep on them. I don't think you're going to be able to walk in and just, oh, man, this is going to be an easy win. They got a lot of young guys, and Craig Council is pretty competitive. Um, But, you know, they're not going to win. You're not going to be a 500 team. But I think they can get close. I think, you know, 70. Yeah, it's not it's not a team that you want to go into a three or four game set at Miller Park and be like, oh, you know, we're going to win these three. Don't take them lightly. So moving on to our next team in the Central, if we're going in the same order, my St. Louis Cardinals. So the Cardinals are coming off of a real shitty 2016. They missed the wild card spot by one game. And going into the season – into spring training, you know, you had the Reyes hype. Reyes looked really good, you know, down the stretch last year, pitched really well. Didn't know if you were going to see him in a starting role, bullpen role. A lot of people thought that he was going to be the fourth or fifth starter and work his way up. And then, like the second day that pitchers reported, it was announced that he was going to have Tommy John surgery. So that put a big gap in the rotation and in the organization and kind of what some of their thoughts were for guys like Michael Walker, Trevor Rosenthal. And in the offseason, they also added Dexter Fowler and Brett Cecil. Brett Cecil, yes. Yeah, they gave a four-year deal. Yeah, they gave Brett Cecil some good money. Good money and no trade costs. Uh, Matt Holliday is now a New York Yankee, so he will no longer be playing sketchy defense and left field in St. Louis. So, Lucas, what do you got for me on the Cardinals? I want to, I want to, I kind of want to do the lineup on this one myself. I do the lineup. Uh, so, I got Dexter Fowler leading off, playing center field. Uh, Aledmus Diaz at short. Uh, Matt Carpenter hitting third, playing first base. Piscotti playing left field, hitting fourth. Uh, Johnny Juice playing third, batting fifth. Yachty sixth, catching. Uh, Grichik in right field, which thank God I don't have to see him play poor center field defense. Now, is he going to be in right or left? Scotty usually plays right. Yeah, he's pretty good defensively. Not as good as Hayward. And I could right, have though. I could have those two backward. I started this before spring training. Right, so. I think Grichik's going to play left field. Okay, so Grichik in left, Piscotty in right, and then I just kind of assumed that they were going to give Colton Wong another go at second base. They've uh, they've been real hard on uh, the or Jim Hayes has had a real hard-on for Matt Adams losing 30 pounds. He could lose 100 pounds. He could gain 300 pounds. And as long as his swing is still, like, extremely long and slow, he's still not going to hit. So I don't think that really matters. As long as his swing's the same, I don't think yeah, it's It's funny because I was texting uh, Anthony Ogden when he was down there it's spring training, and I was asking about Matt Adams, and he said, the only thing I recognize about Matt Adams is that slow-ass swing. <laughs> and uh, and I told him I'd seen Matt Adams a few days before watching a Cardinal spring training game. I was like, man, he really did lose a lot of weight. But, uh, you know, I think he's had a decent spring because they're talking about trying him in the outfield now. You know? Yeah, so I might, saw you know, He might play some outfield while Grichuk sets if Grichuk struggles or something. and I don't know. Who knows if Wong struggles or Peralta struggles, Carpenter's versatile enough to play second or third, and Matt Adams gets another shot at first base. And they still have the home run man, Jed Jerko, on the bench. They do. We didn't even mention that. He hit like 28 bombs last year. Like 17 of them came in like one week. But Yeah, and you got quoted for sarcastically saying that uh, Jed Jerko is going to be a Hall of Famer after the John Jay trade. <laughs> 
Uh, that you know that actually worked out to good trade for the Cardinals and uh, not so much for the Padres, but you know John Jay now gets to play for the Chicago Cubs. So uh, Cubs and Cardinals, when they meet up, there's a there's several players that used to play for the other team that's on you know that's facing each other now. So uh, I don't know. They must value a few guys at the the same way. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. So moving on to their rotation. Uh, Carlos Martinez is just no doubt at this point their ace. Yeah, I think they named him yesterday as the starter. Yeah, for, for opening day. And then uh, Wainwright, I, he's had a tough spring. Uh, I was really hopeful that he was going to be able to bounce back and kind of reinvent himself. And, you know, I think he's got two more years after this year left on his contract. So I was hoping that he was going to be able to reinvent himself, be a good quality pitcher. He's never going to be the dominant ace that he used to be. I was just really hoping to, you know, see him be a really respectable middle of the rotation guy. And then Lance Lynn is coming off of uh, a Tommy John surgery of his own. And Mike Leak, as I like to say, is going to be Mike Leak. We've talked about that before. He's, when they signed him, I told everyone, looking at the ERA plus numbers, other things, he's the definition of league average pitcher, which is not a bad thing because a lot of guys' as fifth starter is a below average major league pitcher. So if he's your fourth or fifth starter, you know, he's the average pitcher. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just kind of gave him kind of a long deal and maybe a little more money than you usually want to go for fourth or fifth guy but he's a ground ball pitcher that didn't get a ton of ground balls last year he got some at times you've seen okay that's the Mike Leak that we want and then at other times he's leaving things that's getting hit in the air and that doesn't work out yeah and uh they did also the Cardinals did name this week uh Michael Waco is going to be in the starting rotation I didn't really think I thought that uh Luke Weaver uh prospect not Luke yeah. Okay. Weaver. Sorry, I didn't want to get him mixed up with the Weaver brothers. Uh, he he looked good. Uh, he was here in Springfield just killing it last year. And I think they kind of rushed him along because of some injuries, some guys not pitching well. He needs another year in Memphis, in my opinion. And uh, Marco Gonzalez, he is uh, he, he's Jaime Garcia. He's coming with off a different Tommy John surgery too. So yeah, never been healthy. Kind of. I mean, he's kind of the same guy as Jaime Garcia. He just doesn't even have the body of work that Jaime does. And uh, so I kind of figured all along that Michael Waka was going to get that fifth spot. Uh, although the dumbass Mike Matheny could f up a grilled sandwich or grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people hoping that Mike Matheny is uh, getting better with his bullpen management and lineup management, lineup construction. Um, I don't know. I guess sometimes you can learn on that job. He didn't have a lot of experience managing coming in, so I guess it's reasonable to think he's going to get better, but at some point he's been doing it long enough now. Some of the little mistakes he made shouldn't be made. Um, you, you hate to blame the manager too much, but there's a lot of armchair managers out there. I'm one of them that some of the things he does, you're like, eh, I don't really know why he does that. But, you know, I digress. It's his job, not mine. But, you know, the Cardinals, they always find a way to win. So, yeah. you know, I don't think this is their best team they're going to put out there. But they'll be right in the thick of things come September. So I put uh, on one of my big notes for the Cardinals, I think the whole season comes down to can Lance Lynn, Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright, and Michael Walker bounce back to the pitchers they used to be? And uh, Lance Lynn, mid to late 20s, I don't think there's any reason he shouldn't after Tommy John. Uh, Waka, I didn't think anything was wrong with his stuff last year. I think he had some horrible pitch placement. He was leaving the ball up and out over the middle, and people were just teeing up off of him. So I don't see any reason he can't. Wainwright may be the bigger question mark. At you know, at this point, like you said, Wainwright will never be the ones that you go, you know, that you remember. Like yeah, the guy you picture him being and remember him as is the memory Cardinal fans need to hold on to, um, because he's he is going to have to reinvent himself. He's going to have to learn to throw strikes. He can't just pitch anymore. His curveball wasn't as sharp as it was. That was his uncle Charlie was his, you know, monster pitch right there. It wasn't as sharp as it was last year. Yeah. I don't know how much of it has to do with aging. 
I don't know how much of it, if his Achilles is still needing strength in the back up. I don't know much about, I'm not a physical therapist or anything. So, I don't know, maybe it takes a couple of years. Some people like Ryan Howard have never recovered from Achilles. Yeah. And, you know, I would think pitching would be a little more stressful on an Achilles than uh, hitting. You know, hitting or at least playing base, first yeah. base because Ryan Howard, you know. So, I hate to speculate, but you you do have to realize that Adam Wainwright's in his mid-30s. He's approaching the end of his career. That's not to say that he can't pitch another five years if he starts hitting his spots. I mean, you don't have to throw hard to. Everyone wants hard throwers now, but you don't have to throw hard to be effective. Kyle Hendricks doesn't throw hard. Yeah. Greg Maddox didn't throw hard. Yeah, Greg Maddox never threw 90. And I'm not comparing comparing Kyle Hendricks to Greg Maddox or anything. He's going to be a Hall of Famer or something. I'm just saying these are guys that do not throw hard. They just they know how to pitch, and I have no doubt in my own mind Wainwright is savvy enough to figure it out. My question is, and it's not a, a question of competitiveness; it's a, a question of acceptance. Has Adam Wainwright accepted the next chapter of his career? Is he still chasing what he once was a top five Cy Young, you know, pitcher? That's my question. I don't know. I know he's competitive. I know he wants to win. But it's the sooner he just 100% invests in, I need to be a different pitcher, then he's got the talent to make it work. It just, is he going to do it? Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, so as you were talking about that, and I heard the uh, Hendricks and Greg Maddox mentioned in the same sentence, I was thinking that, like, we will know that this podcast has made it when uh, the best fans in baseball get on here and start mother effing us. <laughs> you dumbasses comparing Greg Maddox to Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> you guys don't know shit about baseball. Just similar, just similar uh, velocities, that's all. Yeah, but if they pick that up and run with it, I mean... We could buy new houses on that kind of. <laughs> you know, I'll just say, I'll just say, as a Cubs fan here, you guys got a fantastic player in Dexter Fowler. What a, I love Dexter Fowler. I'll always love him. He'll be endeared by Cubs fans forever. He was part of the team that broke the curse. He is a lively human being, a great person. Couldn't ask for a better clubhouse guy. Yeah, he didn't. You know, the Cubs wanted him back, but they couldn't give him a long-term deal. Because they got Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Javi Baez. These guys are all going to be hitting arbitration in a couple of years and getting hefty pay raises. Not to mention, you know, in four or five years, they'll be either getting contract extensions or traded. So Theo couldn't... Dexter deserves a long-term deal. He's been going on a couple of one-year deals. So Theo, you know, I can't offer you a long-term deal. If you want to come back for a season, we'll sign you. But Dexter at 31, 32 years old... Needs that five. He wanted that five-year job security, and he got it. The Cardinals are the one that offered it to him, and they're better off for it. The Cardinals are. Dexter yeah, yeah, it. no doubt. I uh, that kind of worked out for everybody. Kind of like I said that the Jason Hayward thing worked out for everybody. Well, I mean, yeah. Hopefully, he learns how to hit a little better. But yeah, you know, he but did, in theory, he rallied before... the team for the World Series. So yeah, yeah. Before we knew Hayward was going to struggle so bad, it was one of them things where. The Cubs could afford to pay him that much. And the, miss, Cardinals and the Cardinals couldn't. couldn't. Yeah. It, it, in 2015, Jason Hayward, statistically, and some of you Cardinal fans will disagree with me, but if you look at the statistics and the Sabres and things like that, Hayward was the best offensive player on the Cardinals team in 2015. At the end of the year, he was half in the bat in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. For the Cubs, he doesn't have to. They can hide. Joe Madden can hide him in the nine hole now if he wants to. It just doesn't matter. Hit him behind Jake the Snake. Oh, Jake, I just seen on Twitter uh, in his first spring training at bat today, Jake Arrieta hit a bomb off Zach Gronke. So nice. He is primed for the season already. Okay, so while we're still on the Cardinals, uh, something I have wrote down here, uh, Carson Kelly. Uh, so he is one, definitely one of the prospects. I think that they need to get him some innings, see what they have. You know, the Molina contract talk. Oh, we could almost make another podcast out of that one. But – Yachty is in the top 10 of most innings caught of all time. I find that incredible. Like, that's a lot of miles on your knees. And even, you know, for as good as Molina has been defensively, you kind of started to see that kind of fall back last year. And I don't think he needs to catch 155 games this year. They need to see what they have in Carson Kelly. I'm not saying call him up the whole year. 
Maybe bring him up halfway through the season. Let y- have Yachty catch three or four days a week. Let Kelly pick up a lot of the time. Uh, you talked about the versatility of Matt Carpenter. If Yachty's hitting good enough to, you know, because last year, you know, Yachty was having to hit fourth. He, he hit pretty. You know, so he if if he's if he's year. if he's hitting well, you can have Yachty play first. Have Carson Kelly catch, but you need to see what you have in him. And unfortunately, they're probably not going to see what they have in Carson Kelly before the decision's made on a contract extension. And uh, You're wasting Carson Kelly if Yachty gets signed to a four-year deal like they say he's wanting. This is what do you do? He's not good enough offensively to be your everyday first baseman. I mean, maybe he could play good enough defense at first base to yeah. justify it. You have some guys that, you know, Joe Maurer's not a power guy. He is an average guy. He plays first base, but that's not your prototypical first baseman. But Carson Kelly is the top prospect for the Cardinals, catching prospect. If you have a good catcher on your team, that counts for so much. Um, because there are several teams out there that has a catcher that you you know, you know just kind of cringe at. Or yeah. you're just like, man, I wish he hit a little better. Or I wish he received the ball a little better. Um, Carson Kelly, you know, he's a good prospect. But you have to find that fine line of when is he ready and what, what do we do with Yachty? Because he is a, you know, when people say Cardinals, they think of Yachty or Molina. So it's a it's going to be a touchy situation. And it's it's not one I envy because you don't want, if Carson Kelly's as good as they're raving about, you can't have him a part-time player for the next four years. Yeah. He has to eventually be an everyday player. Now, I don't know if maybe he could be a first baseman if he's got the tool. I don't know. That's just something the Cardinals have to figure out starting this year. Yeah, and, you know, uh, maybe they bring Molina back at the end on a shorter deal because I don't know how many teams. I mean, Yachty's got a lot of knowledge, but if Yachty's getting a three- or a four-year deal, part of that's going to have to be as a mentor or almost coach at the end of that because – I don't think Yachty's knees have four years left in him as a everyday catcher. And another thing to consider is he just caught several games in competitive baseball, almost the full games in the for Puerto Rico. Oh yeah, World Baseball Classic. So, and it's not like spring training games because catchers probably you know starting catchers they're not going to play every day in spring training. They're not going to play the full nine nine games, uh, the full nine innings. A lot of times, sometimes they do. Um, it's very fluid, but he just played competitive, actual trying to win baseball for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, they have Eric Fryer on the team, who I can't believe they even let go of last oh, year. Oh, that was so stupid. Because that uh, Pena, they came up, he just immediately got hurt again, was very ineffective. Fryer, I thought, was fantastic for the Cardinals. Lots of pinch hits. Um they still have him. So you may look at a situation where they want to rest Yachty more. So, you know, Eric Fire might get some time. They might bring uh, Carson Kelly up for, you know, a month or so, get him catching some, but you don't want to burn his service time too much. Uh, you know, and nowadays most teams are carrying 13 pitchers to start the season with to ease in everybody on their arms. Um, so, you know, maybe come June they're like, well, now we'll carry three catchers. And the Cubs did that a lot last year, carried three catchers, and you know it allowed everyone to get a little bit of rest. And really, just because Contreras really tore it up, there Montero had to sit a little more. But so before we get off the Cardinals and onto your Cubbies, uh, you got some prospects, I see. <clears throat> yeah, Carson Kelly obviously is number one. Luke Weaver and Harrison Bader are there. There's mixed reviews on Bader. Some people think he can be really good. Some guys see him as just a fourth outfielder type yeah. guy. Um, you know, Marco Gonzalez technically still a prospect, but yeah, there's a couple of guys uh, flirting with uh, single A, double A right now. Uh, one is uh, Alcantara, uh, Sandy Alcantara, and I cannot remember the other guy's name. He is, uh, and I, I will get this put in. He is also a Dominican, a young Dominican pitcher, and they both have some firearms, and they're still a couple of years away. I saw Alcantara pitch early in spring training, and. Uh, He's got electric stuff, but he's definitely got to work on some stuff before he's at the big league level. So now, Lucas, I'm going to let you get going on your cubbies. 
This is what I've been waiting for. The only reason I agreed to do these podcasts is so I could sit here and talk about the Cubs and bore most of you to death. And piss the rest of you off. <laughs> um, for the defending World Series champions, it was kind of a slowish type off season. Like They didn't really have a lot they needed to do. They let Chapman go. Theo, you know, right now, the reliever market, it's crazy. It was nuts. Melanson, Chapman... And uh, Jansen, just huge money. And again, if we go back to the Dexter Fowler thing, Theo needed to save some money. Couldn't sign him long-term. Was okay short-term. Dexter wanted long-term. At this point, Theo didn't see the point in signing uh, you know, one of them three guys to a long-term deal for $80 million. That's $80 million he's going to have to use later on on some of these guys that he wants to be career Cubs. Um, so what they did is they traded Jorge Soler for Wade Davis who uh, had kind of a down year last year. He pitched good, and then he got hurt a little he bit. He was hurt. But uh, they say he's healthy now. Um, I think it was a fantastic trade for both sides. Love Wade Davis. Because they got they got in their ninth inning guy. They got they did Jorge Soler a favor. Soler's got a lot of power. He's got some talent. He didn't get to play every day with the Cubs because just, that's what happens when you sign a Jason Hayward and then you have – Chris Bryant, who ends up being an above-average outfielder and get to play in time. Ben Zobrist plays him outfield. These guys hit more consistently. Soler needed consistency, and he'll get it in Kansas City. So it worked out. He was yeah. he was expendable. Uh, Kansas City was willing to make the trade. They obviously had some guys that were going to be free agents after this year. So we traded four years of Soler for one year of Wade Davis, and I'm okay with that. Um, of course, you learn to be more okay with things when Theo's running it, who by some out magazine outlet just got named the best leader in the world, like above the Pope. <laughs> he was two spots above the Pope, which I'm not going to get into anything that who else was on that list or anything, but just, I thought it's kind of silly, a baseball executive, but Theo's good at what he does. Um, so replacing Dexter Fowler at the top of the lineup is Kyle Schwarber. He's going to be the leadoff guy. Uh, Joe Madden's already said that. Um, I love it. I don't know. What do you think about it? Uh, I think it's interesting. You definitely got some pop at the top of the order. You, you. It reminds me of when our old baseball coach Randy used to let you lead off the JV games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, if someone get on base or whatever, Kyle Schwarber, he had a he had a stolen base in the World Series last year. Just throwing it out there. He did. He, yesterday he had a bunch single. He got thrown out trying to steal second, but I feel like he's trying to get that mentality of a leadoff hitter. Um, after he got thrown out second, his next at bat, he hit a home run, so no one was really that upset he got Don't thrown out. Don't need to out, steal whenever you hit dingers. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking, but I love the lineup. I love the lineup construction here because the pitcher from the very beginning of the game is going to have to be careful with his pitches because he's going to have to face Schwarber, Bryant, and Rizzo, first three guys. It's not going to be easy for him. Now, KB's hitting your two. KB's hitting two still. Um, and it's interesting because I read a lot about this theory that baseball managers are applying now. And me and Anthony talked about it a while back. Uh, managers batting their best hitter second because they get an average of like 60 to 70 more at bats per year batting second than in the three hole. So wow. essentially, essentially your best hitter is getting another week's worth of at bats, and that's what you want out of your best hitters. And obviously, your best hitters get on base more. So then your third hole guy, your three hole guy, might be getting more at bats too. Um, I just kind of like it. And then in the four hole, the Cubs will have Ben Zobris hitting there. That's kind of the lineup they went with last year. It worked in the playoffs. Ben Zobris is a professional's pro. Haven't met a single person that does not like Ben Zobrist. He is beloved by Royals fans, Rays fans, and Cubs fans. He played in Oakland for like half a year. They probably even like him still. He's one of them guys that he doesn't strike out a lot. He walked more than he struck out last year. He's going to put the bat on the ball when it counts. And that's what you want when you got these on-base guys like Schwerber, Bryant, and Rizzo. You don't want strikeouts. You want someone that's putting the ball, the bat on the ball. Uh, Batting in the five-hole... I did have Wilson Contreras slotted in there, and man, he's got a good bat. You know, he had a home run in Game Seven of the World Series. Just solid young guy. Um, but Addison Russell has five home runs this spring. 
And I think he's maturing into a better hitter at 23 years old. Yeah, remember, he's only 22 last year, and his rookie year he's 21. So I, I love got, Addison Russell. He's got a lot of – well, we was at that game. He made that sweet play when we was in yeah. Chicago. And uh, that was an amazing play. And But if his power is there – I mean, he hit over 20 home runs last year. He could hit 30. Maybe he's the, you know, the five-hole guy. Either way, I don't think Joe Madden's going to make a mistake if he bats Contreras or Russell there. And then uh, Baez, I have him in the lineup. I'm giving you the optimal lineup, and I'll explain why here in a minute. But you have Baez at second base. Um, he came out on the national stage in the playoffs last year. And he had a good World Baseball Classic, too. Great defender. He had several key hits in the playoffs last year. Just world of talent. Um, and then batting in the eight hole, which will probably be more like the ninth spot. Joe Madden said with Schwarber leading off, it made sense to him to have a regular hitter bat nine, maybe get someone on base for Schwarber. Um, would be Jason Hayward, who's retooled his swing. Some scouts say it really isn't retooled. Joe Madden insists that it's better. It's just going to take some actual more live hitting for him to get it down. Um, that's what I call the playoff lineup, though, because in reality, Hayward's going to be starting in right field with Zobris probably at second base, Baez on the bench, and Albert Almora, who was Theo's first first-round pick when he got to Chicago, who's still young. He's like 23. Or John Jay starting in center field. John Jay 3000. Yes, John Jay 3000. He is... Uh, He's playing for the Cubs now. We got him on a one-year deal for $8 million. He's not a bad defender. He's not a bad hitter. He's not going to be an everyday player. The Cubs want Almora to just run away with the center field job. Almora is a web gym machine. In the minors, he was consistently ranked as one of the best defensive center fielders. We've seen a little bit of his defense in the World Series last year in San Francisco. Made a hell of a catch there in that uh, right field corner. Um, but, you know... At the same time, most of these guys can play multiple bases. The only regular starter that didn't play more than one position last year was Rizzo. And I don't guess I don't guess Addison Russell did either. They were the two guys that stayed in the same spot. But even Wilson Contreras played outfield. He played several games in the outfield. Yeah. Chris Bryant played third. Uh, he played an inning a shortstop, first base, in all three outfield positions last year. Schwarber's going to catch a little bit this year, not a whole lot. Um, Zobris, you know, his whole career has been built on he can play anywhere you put him. He doesn't care. He's just a player. Obviously, Haywards can play center and right, and he can play left if he had to. I don't ever see a reason why he'll have to, but he can, obviously. Um, so, and their bench is pretty good, too. You'll have uh, Bias coming off of it, super utility guy. Unless someone gets hurt, like, again, we're not assuming injury. So, you look at it, you know, Baez, I think, is just going to be the first, like, bench superstar that I can recall. <laughs> that is just a guy that's like, the NBA's got the sixth man award. Javi Baez is going to be the tenth man award or eighth, ninth man award if you don't want to count the pitcher. So, you know, the Cubs, uh, their lineup is uh, pretty salty. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I... You can't help but love their lineup. And looking at their rotation, uh, I'm going to let you get into this, but who do you think is – or who is starting opening day for them? John Lester. Johnny Lester. A couple years ago, he also started the opening day um, in St. Louis. Uh, they they lost that game 2-1, to one, I think. Yeah. Um, Against that, Wainwright, if I remember right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just a few short weeks before he – Tore his Achilles. Tore his Achilles. Yep. Um, Jake Arrieta will get the ball. Contract the year, right? One. Contract year. Uh, you know, statistically, I was looking back at it. The last three seasons, he's actually been better than Max Scherzer. Wow. Because everyone was talking about how he wants Max Scherzer money. Well, come to find out, when you break it down, he deserves it. I'm not sure about that. Um, I just read today, so this is late breaking, but I just read before we started this pon- podcast that John Lackey will be in the three spot. Um, Joe Madden wanted him going in that third game against the Cardinals to open the season. And Kyle Hendricks will start um, in the the Brewers game, but in the five hole. So Brett Anderson won. Him and Mike Montgomery 
We're doing it out for the fifth starter. It's actually going to be the fourth starter. Um, so Brad Anderson will get that first game against the Brewers and Kyle Hendricks go that second one. Last year, Joe Madden eased Hendricks in because uh, 2015 was the most innings Hendricks had ever thrown. Eased him in last year. Worked out great for Hendricks. Finished second or third in the Cy Young vote. Him and Lester finished second and third, respectively. Um, so, Cal Hendricks has one or two um, potential. But in this case, he's going to be the fifth starter because they're going to rest him because of deep playoff runs. But, you know, Kyle Hendricks, I'm interested to see if he can repeat or come close to what I did last year. Repeating it oh, would be yeah. great. But even just... Even just coming close would be fantastic for the Cubs. And the Cubs are going to employ a six-man rotation for a while. Eventually, they'll have Mike Montgomery pitch some out, have him stretched out. And they signed um, some guys at marginal players for other teams trying to turn their careers around. Eddie Butler from Colorado was a first high first-round pick a while back. Just didn't It just didn't take off in Colorado like so many pitchers. So along with Eddie Butler, they picked up Alec Mills from the Royals who... Um, scouts love them. They, you know, they couldn't believe the Royals just they designated him for assignment. And Theo was like, "Well, we'll trade for him." So Theo's seen something in him. So they're hoping they can turn uh, Butler and Mills and Brett Anderson around, um, kind of like they did Jake Arrieta. Everyone's trying to find that diamond in the rough. Change a few mechanics, you get a pitcher that has been as good as Max Scherzer. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not saying Alec Mills can be Max Scherzer. I'm just saying they they got these guys to fill in some spots. Because the Cubs need to, you know, they had a couple of long playoff series uh, the last couple of years. So they just got guys that they need to, that, that, you don't want 200 innings out of these some of these guys again because it's going to oh, wear yeah. on them. Yeah, so you heard it, Cardinal fans. You can uh, hound Lucas for saying that Kyle Hendricks and Greg Maddox are similar. And that, uh, what was this guy's name? Alec Mills. Alec Mills and Jake Arrieta were the same, so... <laughs> They're just picking up. Uh... <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> bad press is good press. But I think the I, I also think the Cubs bullpen is better than it was last year. I think you got full season away Davis. Then you'll have Rondone and Strope, who they just signed the long deal. Um, they love Pedro Strope. They, uh, you know, and him and Arietta came over in the same deal, so. Wow. And they, Cubs gave up Scott Feldman and Steve Clevenger for Arietta and Pedro Strope. And they were big parts of the Cubs making the playoffs the last two years. That's just that's just Theo. He's got Jedi mind tricks like Bobby Solons and fantasy football. Just <laughs> whatever. Do what I say. So anyways, and they also got Koji Uhara and Carl Edwards Jr. Who in spring training uh, aided a Carl's Jr. Which for you guys that may not know is the Southern and West Coast Hardys. Um, and he, you know, he tweeted, I'm Carl Jr. And I ate it to Carl Jr.'s and the Carl Jr.'s Twitter account had fun with them and they were tweeting back and forth about it. So that's just a fun little anecdote, you know, kind of to break up the monotony of spring training. Um, so, you know, the Cubs prospects, Ian Happ, absolute stud. Second baseman? Second baseman, can play some outfield. They drafted him last year. Uh, might have been the year year before, I think. Could have been last year. I don't know. We came out I think college. it was two years ago. Yeah. I don't remember who they – yeah, because last year they went pitcher heavy. Yeah. They went – Theo uh, has not – they've tried to restock the Cubs pitching staff uh, in the minors. Hasn't went well, so we drafted like 19 pitchers last year. Just hope, like I said earlier, if you hit on one out of every nine, you're kind of happy. So that's what he's trying to do. Um, but Ian Happ and Heimer Kalan- – Imer Candelario, sorry about that, guys. I really can't pronounce his name very well. He uh, He's a third baseman. He's obviously blocked. Ian Happ is blocked. We got Zobris for three more years. He's probably not going to be traded. And Javi Baez. And you got Javi Baez. So you already have your extra infielder that you need in case of injury or whatever. Um, so I really expect Candelario and Happ to be traded. Um, for some controllable arms because the Cubs will lose Jake Arrieta and John Lackey this year. They you know, likely can sign Lackey back if they want him. He says he's not ready to retire. Jake probably going to price himself. Maybe not even really price as much as term himself out. He wants a six, seven-year deal. 
Um, but Ooh, we were always we were just talking about how the Rangers always need pitchers. Yeah, they're, uh, they're probably going to sign Jake Arrieta. Oh, I was thinking uh, John Lackey. He's a Texas guy through and he through. He is a Texas guy. I mean, he would drink some Arrieta's Alamo beer. He's a Texas guy too. Yeah. Who knows? And Lester. Hell, the Tech Rangers might come after all the Cubs. I don't know. Watch out, Theo. Yeah. Uh, the one prospect the Cubs, he's not ready yet, but he is one of the top prospects in baseball is Eloy Jimenez. Monster. They say he's got John uh, Carlos Stanton power, so I hope he doesn't become Whoa. overrated like Stanton. But he's got the power. And for pitching, the Cubs have Dylan Cease, who throws 100 miles an hour. Drafted him out of high school, had Tommy John surgery, been working his way back. Um, so they're hoping he might actually be the first drafted pitcher from Theo to crack the majors. Um, probably not this year. They're looking more toward next year, 2019. Uh, if you're looking for a way to get uh, pitchers drafted to make the majors, uh, I hear if you look into the Houston Astros database, you can find some good <laughs> names. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Cardinal fans. Please don't hate us forever. Or so, do. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Clay Travis so built have... an empire off people hating him. So we have uh... – uh, that's basically all I have for the Cubs. Um, it's kind of lengthy. The Cubs and Cardinals are probably our two most in-depth teams we will cover. Um, I fully expect the Cubs to win at least 100 games again this year and probably win the World Series. Homer. I am I am picking them and 100% confident in it this year, unlike I was last year. Yeah, and so let's move on to the forgotten team in the National League Central, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They picked up uh, Ivan Nova over the offseason. Do you have any other uh, notable ads for them? Ads or losses from the Pirates? I've been I've been looking over here. Uh, but what we really want to talk about and what all of the Pirate fans really want to talk about, kind of the same with the Brewer fans and Ryan Braun, do you think that Kutch is going to stay in Pittsburgh? I think he is. I don't think they're going to get what they want for he should have went, you know, he should have pushed for that trade to the Nats, Cutchin and Harper in the outfield. But I guess they couldn't come up to terms. Um, I'm not sure McCutcheon will take another extension at a hometown discount. But they're talking, the Pirates are talking to the White Sox about Jose Quintana. So that means they're probably going to have to send at least Austin Meadows and either Tyler Glasnow or Jamison Talion back to them. And Austin Meadows is the future of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates outfield. He is a highly, highly touted prospect on an already stacked outfield as it is right now with McCutcheon, Gregory Polanco, who absolutely tore up the World Baseball Classic, and Starling Marte, who had a good baseball classic too. The Pirates and the Marlins are right up there, two of the best outfields in the game. Um, So I'm not sure where Austin Meadows is going to play. But he may end up getting traded. Maybe McCutcheon gets traded and they have Meadows. I I don't have an answer if he's going to get traded or not. I really don't. Yeah, I think that that's a, you know, he's a been a really good player for Pittsburgh. And I always say I, I'm to the point in my life where I understand you can't take hometown discounts. I mean, these guys have so many years to make all the money they're going to make off their athletic ability in their life. So you kind of got to do what's best for you and your family. But uh, let's talk uh, about the Pirates lineup this year. What do you got for us, Well, Lucas? last year leading off, they had John Jaso, who was a catcher. They signed after last year from Tampa. Um, high on base percentage, you guys, so he got the lead off. Um, the only caveat I have with this is Josh Bell plays outfield and first base, and he's another highly touted prospect that he had a cup of tea last year, um, a cup of coffee, whatever you guys want to call it in the majors and he tore it up i watched him yeah. against the cubs and he can flat out hit so jason's losing a lot of playing time this year to josh bell so i'm not sure who is going to absolutely lead off um that just remains to be seen it could be cutchin i don't know um but then you know mccutchin batting second pittsburgh was really the first team i seen that went with batting their best player second so they could get more at bats uh, per season. I wondered if it wasn't the Reds and Joey Votto because I remember seeing that and that just pissing me off because I hadn't bought into the whole hit, have your best player hit second at the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. I just think 
I don't know. I guess I just didn't hear about it or read about it until the Pirates did it. The Pirates were kind of a, you know, last year or the year before last they started doing it were kind of the flavor of the month. Hey, they they just made the playoffs for the first time in, since the uh, Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla years there. Yeah. Who's still getting paid by the Mets, by the way. And uh, <laughs> Always getting paid, baby. Uh, so you got uh, Starlin Marte and Gregory, Gregory Polanco batting 3-4. Normally, you'd probably have Jung Ho Kang batting fifth, but he got in a little bit of trouble this offseason in Korea, and he's trying to get permission to leave the country to come back and play. Do you have any more on that story from us? I have not heard this yet. Oh, he got a DWI in Korea, and I oh. think it was his second or third one. Ooh. Um, so I'm not sure what their laws are over there on it, but he's probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. I know here... In Missouri, your third DWI is a felony, and you can go to jail for like five years. So uh, it remains to be seen uh, when the Pirates will get Kang and when he'll be ready for the season. They have uh, behind that, though, the, toward the bottom of the lineup, you got Francisco Cervelli, who was a backup catcher in the Yankees organization for about six seasons. Long time. Uh, then came back over to the Pirates, and, you know, he's a salty little catcher. He can. Uh, He's a good catcher, and he has decent batting average. Not a lot of power, but uh, you can't complain too much with him as your catcher. Uh, they got Josh Harrison, who 2015, monster season, can play anywhere. Last year wasn't as good, but serviceable. And then in your eight hole, you have Jordy Mercer, who's a light-hitting shortstop. He does have a little bit of power, but he's not someone you can rely on. Um now, I have to mention some bench players here because some of you guys will still hold David Freeze in high regard. He still plays for the Pirates and will likely be their opening day third baseman if Kane cannot get ready to go. Moving on to the pitching staff of the Pirates. Uh, it's going to be headlined by Garrett Cole, who lots of talent, hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years, but they're hoping he matures into health and can contribute um, they really need to be an ace if they're going to compete this year. They they have the offense to compete, and I really do like their pitching staff, though. Oh, um, yeah, it looks good so far. Though. Behind Cole, they have uh, Ivan Nova, who pitched great after he came over and worked with Ray Searidge. The, a lot of people call him the pitcher whisperer because the Pirates have made, the last several years have made a, uh, they've taken old rundown pitchers and, fixed them up and have gotten a lot out of them mainly francisco liriano kind of like what uh dave duncan and tony la Russa did with so many of those pitchers for all those years yeah chris carbner comes to mind because when Jeff he was with Supon, the blue jays Jason he got Marquee. hurt yeah them guys like that um if you got a good pitching coach you can tweak just enough to uh you know get good solid innings out of these guys um, rounding out the rotation are three young guys that all have high upside. Uh, Jamison Talion and Tyler Glass now. Um, I hope they both break the roster coming out of camp because they are phenomenal pitchers. They've been touted for years in their system. Um, and Chad Cool uh, pitched in the majors the most out of the three of them last year. He's not as he doesn't have as high ceiling as Glass now or Talion, but he's pretty good. So they got a young. Uh, pitching staff that has talent so if it turns out they are going to compete for uh, the wild card um, I don't want to say the division's over but the Cubs did win it by 17 games <laughs> last year so I don't know if they're going to be 17 games worse I don't think the Pirates can be 20 games better which is about where they finished out but they can definitely compete to make the playoffs um, their bullpen Juan Nicasio, Daniel Hudson, Antonio Bastardo and Tony Watson um not as flashy as when they had Jason Grilly and Mark Melanson, but uh, Watson, pretty good. Daniel Hudson's another one of them projects they got from the Diamondbacks. Um, so, you know, they, between, <coughs> excuse me, they're good pitching, they're solid offense, and they got uh, Austin Meadows waiting in the shadows if someone gets hurt in the outfield or McCutcheon gets traded. Um they can compete. They're going to be a good team. Clint Hurdle always has them prepared and ready to play. And a lot of bubble gum in his mouth. And a ton of bubble gum. Uh, so it's just a wait and see with the Pirates. If they get a good offer from McCutcheon, they might trade them and 
they'll probably be better off for it. You know, McCutcheon might be better off for it. Uh, you know, one team comes to mind that might trade for him would be the San Francisco Giants. Um, their farm system not very strong anymore. They've made lots of trades. They've historically, I was reading, have not had um, a outfielder, a solid outfielder start opening day for them that came up through their system. And they're hoping this year they got two guys, Jarrett Parker and Mac Williamson, that may start in left field for the the Giants. Um, we can save more of that for the the West Coast, the National League West podcast. But I just thought it was interesting that the Giants historically don't have very good. They always trade or sign their outfielders, you know, starting back with like Barry Bonds. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the Pirates do have some trade pieces there if they think they need another piece or two to make the playoffs. And if they can survive without McCutcheon, then there you go. Yeah, and so I think that pretty much wraps up the Pittsburgh Pirates for us. And now we're going to get on to the last team in the NL Central, the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, of course, were able to finally trade Brandon Phillips in the offseason, and they are kind of, I think, married to Joey Votto's contract. Ten years, $225 million. I'm, I think he still has like four or five years left on that. Yeah, um, I think it might even be more than that. I think he signed through like 2022. Oh, man. They have – so, yeah. Uh, Joey Votto has always been good. and He's a big on-base guy. He uh, had a really good second half last year, didn't he? Yeah, he always seems to struggle the last couple of years coming out of the gate and then just tear it up in the second half. So, I guess the breads are okay with making him the centerpiece of their next true um, playoff contender that they have pictured. And Votto's okay with that, too. I don't think he really wants to go anywhere. There's been talks, you know, maybe he's Canadian. Maybe he wants to go play in Toronto. But, you know, things have really stalled. It is a, it is a beefy contract. Um, but he seems happy in Cincinnati. He might not be the guy that he might like the small market stuff. But, you know, they do got guys. They're getting close. They're probably another year or two away from their top prospects all really shining. Um, you know, top of their lineup, I hope. It works out with Billy Hamilton because he's great to watch on the bases. So fast. So fast. And he had um, he got better last year. He was getting on base more. So I think they might give him a shot and see what he can do. But, man, this guy, he's capable of 100 steals if he gets on base 100 times. That would be awesome to see. You haven't seen any huge stolen base numbers since, like, Ricky Henderson. Yeah, Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, them guys like that. You just don't see that anymore, and a lot of teams don't do that. A lot of, a lot of small ball type whitey stuff ball, like that like, anymore. You know, the old uh, Cardinals, you know, Whitey Herzog, they called it Whitey Ball. They didn't hit home runs. They got on base and they stole a lot. You don't see a lot of that anymore. Um, moving on, you have Jose Peraza, who's going to be their second baseman starter now that Phillips left, and they were wanting that. Phillips gone, so Peraza could get that uh, playing time. Three hole, you got to think it's Joey Votto. You hope, you know, he could bat second, but you hope Hamilton and Peraza are good enough to get on base and let Joey actually, uh, you know, get some RBIs. I know RBIs have kind of, they're falling out of favor, um, but, you know, the guy that gets on base all the time, and you got guys on in front of them, they're going to score. Adam Duvall batting four hole, hit 30 home runs last year. He's looking for another repeat season. He looks like he's pretty good. Uh, batting in the five hole could be Devin Mezorosco. I don't really know what you get with him. He's he's been good one year and then keeps getting hurt. Can't stay healthy. So you really hope that he, you know, I kind of liked him because he had some power. Yeah. And and you always like seeing a power catcher, even if it's you know someone, one of your rivals or something. A power catcher, I think, is just fun. Like my guy Mike Piazza. Yeah, that's right, Hall of Famer Mike Piazza. Uh, Eugenio Suarez played third base last year, probably starting there again this year. Scott Shevler, um, probably their right fielder. Not sure. I'm not sure what they have in him. I just don't know a lot about him. They might have some other guys ready to go. Not a huge Reds fan. I don't mind him. I don't hate him. I just don't know a lot about him. Some of their pitchers are a little more highly touted than some of their hitters, but... You know, they still, and then they still have Zach Cozart at shortstop, who were in trade rumors last year. Um, and I think they're looking to trade him this year. He's their next piece to trade for somebody. 
Um, you know, and, and that Jay Bruce trade last year brought back uh, Dilson Herrera from the Mets, and he could probably play shortstop if Cozart gets traded and start getting some major league experience. Uh, the rebuilding, they're not deep on their bench because of that, so they're not going to have a lot of just veteran guys on the bench. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they're another team that's in rebuild mode. They got Their pitching is where their meat of the rebuild's at right now, in my opinion. They got Brandon Finnegan in the Johnny Cueto trade. They have Cody Reed, Luis Castillo, Robert Stevenson, Michael Lorenzen, Raciel Iglesias, all young guys. Iglesias may be their starting closer. I already got hurt in the shower a couple weeks ago, so I don't know how serious that is right now. Um, they got Jumbo Diaz, of course, in the bullpen, and Drew Storen. So I think Drew Storen's one of them guys they hope pitches good enough where they can flip them. And the same with Scott Feldman. He's trying to make the team. So yeah, the Reds have some guys that they're hoping really just take off and they can flip again. And they got some young guys that want to get some playing time. And their top prospects right now are Jesse Winker in the outfield and Nick Sinzel. Um, so, you know, you may see some guys you haven't heard of much when you play the Reds, but it's all part of their plan. Another small market team trying to rebuild. So you know, they're flipping guys when they can, and they're trying to get some guys some experience when they can. But don't sleep on the Reds in a couple years. They're, I think they could have done some better trades they could have got some more for some of these guys if they could trade them a little sooner but they're on their way yeah i completely agree and uh you know brandon phillips not wanting to leave before now probably didn't help they probably could have got a bigger haul out of phillips from the nationals than they ended up getting out of the braves and it just it's just kind of one of those things they were right there on the verge of rebuild or compete for like three or four years and so that was kind of a not ideal situation to be in for a general manager and a team. But, you know, when the Reds are good or competitive, it's good for baseball. Their one big question mark right now is Homer Bailey. And that's yeah. Homer Bailey of two no-hitters in his career. And also the Homer Bailey of can't stay healthy. Uh, they signed him to a pretty big deal, didn't they? They did, and he hasn't pitched much since that deal. And, you know, a month or so ago, he bone spurs or something in his elbow he had to have taken out so he's shelved for another couple months probably so they just don't know what they can get out of him because he's another one of them guys they hope can come back string together you know if he's not coming back till june hope he can string together 10 starts and trade him before the the august 31st trade deadline yeah and that would be good to see them get something out of homer bailey but you know then i don't know how long or how many years are left on his deal but you, someone's either someone's gonna have to eat some money in that, but so Lucas, let's get into our NL Central predictions. I'm sure that you're waiting to tell the world in a surprise moment that you picked the Cardinals to win the Central. Yeah, um, I hope this comes out on April 1st, so we can all laugh about it. But <laughs> it's gonna come out before then. But uh, I got the Cubs down for 101 wins. That is, I think they're. I think the bar there is a hundred. The last two years combined, they've won two hundred games, ninety-seven and fifteen, and uh, last year they won a hundred even or hundred and three. So that's two hundred even. I think the bar is one hundred. I think they may get one hundred one. I think they could win more than that. I'm just trying to be a little conservative here with my numbers. Uh, second place, I have the Pirates uh, at eighty-nine wins. Uh, I I think if their pitching staff stays healthy, headlined by Garrett Cole in their offense, I think the Pirates can do it. I have the Cardinals at 82 wins, which uh, I think is more than what Pakoda had them projected at, isn't it? Pakoda so, had them at 76. So don't yes. don't hate me, Cardinal fans. I am not the downer that Pakoda is. I'm just not sure. I just. I'm not going to be surprised if they win 90 games or not even. I wouldn't be that surprised if they win 93 games. It's the Cardinals. They always seem to find a way to be in the thick of things at the end of the season. So, I mean, don't take what I say with, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I just, I don't think we can be surprised by anything we see out of the Cardinals this year. I really don't. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, how do you have that finishing out? Uh, I got the Brewers and the Reds. 
Uh, I got the Reds at 68 wins. They, that may be pushing it. I don't know. Um, and the Brewers, like I said earlier, I had them at 77 wins. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Could be five to ten games less. Probably not much more than 77, though. That might be their their peak of the year. But they're okay with that because they're in the midst of the rebuild. Yeah, and uh, on mine, no surprise, uh, I have the Cubs at 97, or 96 rather, and 76, winning the division. The Cardinals at 88 and 74. The Pirates at 82 and 80. The Brewers at 75 and 87, and the Reds at 68 and 94. Well, we both had the third place team with 82 wins, and yeah. Cincinnati was 68. So yeah, we were. I mean, we're, we're not that far off on a couple of our predictions. Yeah, so we're right there. So if you, uh, if you, that concludes our NL Central uh, podcast. So if you don't like what we had to say, tell everybody you know. If you're like these guys are idiots, the one guy compared. Greg Maddox and Kyle Hendricks. Not true. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. So if uh, if that's what you guys took away and you hate us, there's... Let us know about it. Tell us on Twitter. Tell yeah, us on tell Facebook. us. Tell your we'll friends to check it out. We'll have a conversation about it. Yeah, we n- want lively debate. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Bad press is still press. Let us know so. where we lied to you. If yeah. we lied to you, let us know. Tell us. Yeah, if you like really hate what we have to say and you want to write all of our predictions down and then like shove it at our face at the end of the season, then we'll take that. So, for Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. This has been the National League Central Podcast. <laughs>